This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Episode 370 is with Brett James. He has 27 number one songs. It's wild. He has 27 number one songs. He also showed up on a motorcycle, so he's way cooler than I will ever be. His name's Brett James. I'll play it for you here. You can follow him at Brett James Songs. It's really cool. He won a Grammy, and here he is, episode 370. Hey, Brett, so when Mike reached out, he said, and what he often does with folks, he said, hey, what are the number ones that, you know, and you were like, well, hold on a minute. Because I looked at your list of number ones. You have 27 and counting. Something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, what a, what a life. That you have so many massive songs that you get to forget some of them. <laughs> You know, it's you know, I just leave the listing to somebody else. So I, I don't, I don't try to keep, you know, I, I don't keep score. What does encounting mean? Is there anything um, right now that's? I don't the, have anything climbing right now. I okay. don't. My last number one was knowing you. You're a real loser, then, bro. I know. You know if he, if he, I got to get busy. You don't have anything go. going for you <laughs> at all. Uh, I do want to mention this before we get going, and I'll come back to it again at the end. Um, you're doing an event in November at the Bell Tower in Nashville. So what is this event? Man, it's, it's so worth going to. Um, it's November 10th. It's, it's for a thing called Aerial Recovery. And I didn't know much about them. I just knew some of the people involved. And then I ended up going to kind of their board meeting or something and did some, you know, played some music for them and stuff and got to know them. And what they do is they take uh, like ex-special ops guys. Like these are all mostly, almost all Green Berets, some SEALs, and they kind of repurpose them for good. And so literally like what they've been doing, like last year, for instance, they pulled 4,000 people out of Ukraine including like a thousand orphans. Wow. You know, I know they were in Pakistan for the floods like three weeks ago. I'm sure they were in, in I'm sure they're in Florida right now. And so they do them like just these guys, you know, they come out of like, they get all this training and then they, they kind of, it's time to, to move on. And you've got all this kind of wasted talent. And what this, what this organization is trying to do is tap into that talent and, and use these, the, you know, the expertise of these the special ops guys. So, so you're playing and singing. Your yeah. Songs yeah. And- uh, Krista Stefano, John Knight, and I are playing that night, and um, it's at the Bell Tower. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue, 
And it's just an amazing cause if, you, if you're interested. Uh, aerialrecovery.event, I think, is where you go to kind of buy tickets and stuff. I did a charity event once with Chris Stefano, And I don't get up and play next to you good guys often because I do comedy. And I remember, and there's a reason. I think Chris reminded me why I don't. <laughs> Chris reminds me why I don't like to play next to Chris. He's so Just good. like singing at, at uh, certain octaves, singing Carrie songs. And it's just like, God dang, dude. I'm over here singing songs about working at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> and he's crushing it. But both of you guys have that in common and that you're both such great singers. I think that you're being very humble there because, I mean, you had a solo deal way before you turned into the great writer. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a, a miserably failed solo deal. But, <laughs> but was it a miserably failed deal, though? I mean, I, I would say otherwise. I mean, to get a deal, first of all, period. Incredibly difficult. Sure, yeah. So was that deal a Nashville-based deal? It was. It was. It was Arista Nashville based back in 1993. So I saw it was Arista, and obviously yeah. Arista has an imprint outside of just country music. Sure. So... Did you move to town and then pursue a like a the career to be a singer? I mean, was that the idea? That was the idea. You know, it's it's, it's a really long story, but we have know, all the time for I, it. There you go. Well, I uh, I was in medical school, just like all good country songwriters. Golly, you're in um, medical school. I was to I do was, what? I was going to be an ER doc. That was my kind of plan for life. My dad and granddad were both docs, so that's kind of how I grew up in that world. Wow. Of, yeah, I just I, you know that just seemed like the natural thing, and and uh, my. My freshman year of med school in Oklahoma, where I'm from, I go and I see it. You know, I, I, I went to college in Texas, and I grew up in Oklahoma. So, I, you know, I loved country music anyway. But I went and saw a Steve Warner concert one night. He's getting in the Songwriter Hall of Fame in a month. I'm so excited because he's awesome. I, I go see a Steve Warner show and kind of watched him one night. And, I, and he's an amazing player. And I was like, okay, I'll never play guitar like that. But I think the rest of it I might be able to, to do. And so I kind of, you know, because everybody kind of has that moment. I'm sure you had your moment where you're like, this is what I can do, and I can be pretty good at it. And, and you know, that was kind of my little moment where maybe I should start writing songs in my free time. And so that's what I did. I started writing songs in my free time. And Did you sing, though, in high school? At like 15, were you singing? You know, in church, yeah. And I was in a group that even traveled from church. We sing in other churches. So I grew up singing in church, and that's how I learned to sing. So I kind of knew I could sing. But were you a, a celebrated bit. singer at church? When, when the group would go in, would they be like, this is, this is a little Brett. Little Brett can sing. Yeah, I was a little bit. I was, I, was, I was the guy that got most of the solos and stuff like that. So yeah, a little bit. I, I knew I could sort of, you know, I was singing at high school graduation and stuff like that, like, like a lot of kids in high school. But I never, you know, where I'm from, you don't, it's not on the list of things you think you can do for a job. It's not really one of those things in high school. They say, yeah, you, should, you can do this, you know. Right. But your grandfather's a doctor. Your dad's a doctor. Those are pretty practical jobs as far as jobs that if you go to school and you study and you get the right grades and you perform, you get the job. You get the job. That's right. This, this industry is not that. No. In any way whatsoever. No. And so what did they say about when you finally expressed to your dad even, hey, I think I want to not do medicine right you know he, he was all about it interestingly enough because he was kind of a frustrated singer himself and in you know he'd been a doctor for a long time by that time and it kind of changed the the job description had changed he was kind of like one of these small town doctors who just you know takes care of the grandparents and delivers the grandbabies and everything in between and and he and it and just medicine had changed so he was a little like go chase your dream that's what he was about and that's what happened to me i came out here i'd written like you know i'd 10 songs and I put five of them I literally took you know my summer job money and, and paid for a little studio in Oklahoma City 
and uh, sent it to my one contact in the music business, who was my friend Deb from college, who was an intern in college radio promotion in Ann Arbor. <laughs> so that was my, you know, that was my big in. But fortunately, she gave it to her boss. Her boss had been a big deal, and her boss says, "Well, I'd like to manage you. When can you come to Nashville?" So let me get this straight. So Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? Is that where we're talking right, about? Right, that's where she was based. Exactly. Okay, that's not really that close to Nashville. No. So who's her boss? Her boss is, I think, still lives here, a lady named Reen Nally. And Reen had been a big A&R person. She actually started the Atco record label for Atlantic in New York. But did but Reen she, live here? No, and, but she'd had, she had some contacts here, and she'd done some really cool stuff with some bands from Nashville. Like, she discovered NXS, and she'd, she had had, some, wow. had a big career and then gone back home, moved back home to Ann Arbor. And so she was like, can I meet you in Nashville? I want to introduce you to some people. And anyway, long story short, as I came in here in spring break of my sophomore year, and it was my third day. We we met with a couple labels, and they kind of patted me on the head, and you know, sent me pack. And from that demo, like they heard the demo, they met with yeah, you. Yeah, mainly they met with me because they knew knew her. Mm-hmm. You know, she got the meeting, so we go in, we play the music, and they're like, "Nice to meet you. We have lunch, and, and you know, see you again sometime." And then randomly, we're in another guy's office that she knows, and I play some music for a guy named Cliff Aldrich. You might know Cliff or his son, Cliffy. Um, and we're in his office, and I play some songs for him. You know, I'm this you know, kid in a cowboy hat from Oklahoma, and he says, I think you're pretty good. And this is the way Nashville kind of worked back then. He literally got on his landline, called up Tim Dubois, and said, Tim, I think I got a guy over here that's pretty good. And Tim said, bring him over. <laughs> so literally 10 minutes later, I'm in the, you know, the president of Arista's office, Tim Dubois, at the time, and, and they, were, they were crushing it, you know, Alan Jackson and Brooks and Dunn and all these acts. And I'm sitting in his office playing, playing music for him, and – 20 minutes later, he's like, mister, I've never told anybody this, but if you move to Nashville, I'll give you a record deal. You know? Did you know the, how heavy it was, the room? Not really. I don't think I had a clue how big a deal he was at the time. You know, um, I learned later. <laughs> you did know? you guess? So I, and I guess, did, do you think your performance, when performing in that room for Tim Dubois, do you feel like, because you didn't really know, you were allowed to just perform as you normally would, and if you did actually know and you were educated on the process, maybe you would have, You'd have been a little tight because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm with the president of... Probably so. Exactly. It was probably nice that I didn't kind of, you know, kind of gather how how important he was. You, you know? got a deal that quick. I mean, you weren't even living here, right? It what was nuts. Saying? It was nuts. He, and, but what was, you know, I, I said, you know, he offered me a deal and I was like, well, I'm in med school. I'm going to have to think about it a little bit. <laughs> and he said, well, you're going to have to move here if you want to do this, you know. And he gave me his, you know, home phone number because nobody even had cell phones back then. He said, here's my number. Call me if you if you want to do this. And... What happened was I decided to take a year off med school. I finished that year. I took my medical board exams, all that stuff. And uh, the, ne- the day after I took my board exams, I moved to Nashville. But I knew, like, instinctively I wasn't ready, you know, to do this. To, to, I just, you know, I'd written 10 songs, and I just knew I wasn't ready. So I got a job waiting tables at Midtown Cafe. And so you moved here, but you didn't take I the deal. I didn't call him for nine months. I lo- so you moved here. I did. You went through with that part. The part that kind of is hard, but the part that's kind of cool, you decided not to do yet. Yeah, I just, I just didn't think I was ready. You know, I was like, I, I don't, don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't you know, have a clue about this business. And so I just started playing, you know, open mic nights just like everybody else. And, and I, you know, got, a, like I said, waited tables. And fortunately, I, you know, it was the early 90s. It was a little different town back then. If you could, like, play three chords and sing any at all. Somebody give you a publishing deal. So 
I got lucky that I got a publishing deal about three months later. Tim Dubois never walked into a restaurant and be like, hey, that's a guy I'm trying to sign. He did not. He did not. And so I called him, like, you know, finally I'd recorded some demos and kind of felt like I was comfortable playing him some new music and called him nine months later and said, you know, it had been a year since I'd met with him and had that meeting. And he, I was like, I don't even know if you remember who I am, but a, a year ago you told me if I'd move here, you'd give me a deal. He said, I remember you. So I came in and, and he signed me. That's the way that got started. So what happens then? So you, you have a deal, you put out a couple songs, I'm going to have them here. Fail miserably, yes. Just what everything does that mean, tanks. Fail. Do you mean, <laughs> because I can tell you from just a personal experience, like I had a show, we were we had shot a pilot for it, and the network's about to pick it up. Then they changed all of the executives. Sure. So they went, ah, this wasn't our show, so we're not going to go through with it. Yeah. So I can go, well, that failed miserably. Or I can go, well, the reason I never got a shot it, is it's, because... It's not, it's not anybody's fault. Exactly. And... You know, I, it, that whole thing just wasn't meant to be, looking back. You know, um, I was trying. I mean, we, was, we were doing radio tours. We're going to see all the stations, and, and they're all telling me they're going to play the, the records, and then they don't, you know. Mm. And that happens to lots of artists. Were you heartbroken when that deal didn't work out? You know, I wasn't heartbroken. It was more like, because uh, it, it, it kind of drug out. It was about a five-year period of it not working because put out a couple singles they don't work then you go back in to make another album you change producers you're kind of you know how that that game works with with artists you're just trying to figure it out and when it finally went away it was literally five years later and um i was not heartbroken but i was honestly i was i'd be embarrassed it was sort of like you know weren't you the guy that was supposed to you know have your you had you had a, you had a cd in walmart for a minute you know and I remember being on Music Row and walking into my publishing company and just being like embarrassed, like kind of feeling like he's, that's the guy that didn't work and he's washed up now. You know, it was real. It was a real thing. Was there ever a time that you purposefully said, well, I'm going to pivot because, because you had to also decide not to pursue it anymore, even if you don't have a deal. Like I've had friends who have had deals and they've gone away or they've lost it or, and they go, okay, well, I can do it independent. I can go sign somewhere else. I cannot do it. Some of them have become wonderful songwriters. Sure. Like, what was that moment for you, and how did you make that decision? Well, it was a little different. It was a little different pivot for me. I was, it was 1999. I'd been in Nashville for seven years and had lost my record deal, and my publishing deal had gotten cut by like two-thirds. You know, when I was a tw early 20s, I'm making great money because everybody thought I was going to be, Tim was telling everybody I was going to be Garth Brooks. So I had this, you know, some, some good money and all that stuff happening, and all of a sudden, it's 1999, and I'm uh, like, I think I'm almost 30 years old, and I have two little babies. And um, I literally walked into Target one day, and almost, if I've ever had a panic attack, this was it. I was standing in Target, and I'm in the, like, the kids' clothing, and I see this little pair of, you know, one-year-old tennis shoes. And I looked at them, I was like, and I'd really like to buy those for my kid, but I can't afford them, and I'm not going to live like this. And so I decided then and there... Um, that I was going to figure something out. But all I'd ever done was go to med school and, and be a songwriter. And so I literally snail mailed the med school a letter and said, I know you're only supposed to get one year off. I've been out for seven. Is there any chance I can get back in? You know, And uh, the dean snail mailed me back, and she said, well, you've been out a long time, but yes, you can come back, but you got to start. You have to repeat your sophomore year. Oh, wow. And so I did that. I went back to med school after being in town for, for seven years in 1999, um, and you know, my ex-wife now and kids stayed here in Nashville to, to sell the house. So I just went back. I moved in with my parents who lived there and, um, started back to med school at, you know, at 30 as a sophomore, you know, just, and it was a, it was a huge relief. I was like, man, you know, 
I gave Nashville a shot, um, but at least I know I'm going to be able to feed my kids. And that, that's, you know, at, at some point when you're dead, that's all that matters in the world. And that's all that mattered to me, you know. And, but what happened was God sort of had another plan. I went back to med school on September 1st. Still had a, I had a year left on a publishing deal, and they were really cool. They said, well, just keep writing. Maybe something will happen. I go back to med school on September 1st, and Faith Hill cuts one of my songs on September 4th on a Breathe album, and then ended up getting 33 cuts in the next nine months. Wow. And had five top ten singles. So 33 cuts of songs you'd already written? Mostly, and some I'd written, some I was writing in med school. I had a, a dear friend who's a huge hit songwriter named Troy Burgess, and he, he was a kid, like 23 or 4 at the time. And he decided, you know, we'd started to get hot as, a, as kind of a writing team. And uh, so he would come out to Oklahoma, and, and we'd write songs out there. So a lot of those were new songs. that I was, I'd go to med school till 2, and he'd, he'd be waking up, you know, and, and then we'd write until we'd write songs. And I'd, come, I'd fly back into Nashville, and we'd demo them up and that kind of stuff. So you were hustling pretty hard. Yeah, I was hustling pretty hard. So what, what was the Faith Hill song? It was a song called Love is a Sweet Thing. It was not a single, but it was on that album, that, her, you know, her breather record. But that's probably, a, I mean, really, when you think about the songs. I mean, I can list every number one of the 10 million you have, but that's probably, when you look back, one of the most important songs to your entire career. Oh, absolutely. It kind of started opening doors, and I kind of found the right publishing situation. I worked with a girl named Kelly King, who was my song plugger, and Mark Bright, who, but Kelly was my song plugger. She's still around Nashville as well. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing, because I was kind of her only writer, <laughs> and so I'd write songs, and she'd kind of get them out there, and you know, I'd be, in, it, was a, it was a crazy time, because I'd be literally studying for a pathologies exam in the library and i'd get up you know a call on my flip phone hey brett you know <laughs> tim mcgraw just cut tell you right or that's crazy. martina mcbride just cut blessed or whatever and i was like you know there's there was nobody around to high five with i'd just kind of like do a little dance in the in the library and call it good so is my assumption that you didn't finish medical school i didn't so i, you I, you I finished again? that year and quit again <laughs> so you got <laughs> Which two wasn't, more years under your belt exactly and took exams and then i had an interesting conversation with that dean that was, <laughs> that was an interesting conversation. so because of legal rules we can only play five seconds of music at this point but we're gonna hit five seconds hard mike are you ready okay this was your first number one this is jessica andrews who i am i am rosemary's That's a song that still today is played as what they call a recurrent because it was such a big song from those early 2000 years. And that's your first number one. It was the first number one, yeah. It was, you know, what a blessing. It was, it was, it was awesome. When you wrote the song, was it just one in a mix? Or did you go, man, if somebody just gets... That's always my question because some songs are like, you know, it's just another one. We just wrote it and thought, what about... We thought that one was special, quite honestly. You know, um, I, I wrote that... Back to med school, I wrote that in my parents' kitchen with Troy Verges um, after I'd gone to class one day. And, and uh, we had heard there was a new artist named Jessica Andrews who was looking for a, you know, uh, a kind of a, a female anthem. And, and I remember I spit out, like, what about we write it just called Who I Am? And like, I am. And literally the first thing I said was Rosemary's granddaughter. And, and Troy said, the spitting image of my father. And we are like, on our way. And, uh, and uh, Troy's girlfriend at the time, who's now a Hall of Fame songwriter, Hillary Lindsay. Um, she wasn't even writing, but she, uh, she was kind enough to sing the demo for us on that song. And um, so after Hillary sang it, we knew there was something special about it. And then Jessica did an amazing job. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. 
The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu Did you feel when you weren't focusing strictly on performance and your vocal and your just you know your record deal when you just focused on writing that you became a better writer did you always feel like you were a really good writer like when did you start to feel like okay I'm actually competitive and if I focus just right I'm great <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I still feel that way. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still working on that one. But um, you know what what Troy and I kind of what 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 going back to med school did for me was free me up a lot. Um, you know, it was sort of like a creative thing where it was, okay, now my kids are gonna get fed. I'm not I'm not just struggling trying to I'm not dying to try to get the next George Strait cut so that you know I can feed the family anymore. I have a job, I have a plan. And so I'm going to kind of say, you know, screw it. You got to play loose. Got to play loose. I said, screw it, and let's just write what we love. And that's really what happened that year. I mean, that's a bizarrely remarkable story that, one, you go to med school, you quit med school, you come, you get a deal. You go back to med school, you quit med school after. (laughs) And got another record deal, by the way. I I signed another record deal with Arista again after after that year of med school. That one failed miserably, too. So here we go. I, this is a wild story. It's like you keep, I know, and not the same, but you keep marrying your ex-wife over and over again, a different one. It's <laughs> a like different, bit. different ex-wives, but you keep marrying yeah, them. Keep trying, yeah, man. yeah, keep yeah. Trying, yeah. Um, just looking at some of the accolades, like the big accolades, like you hit 
you have it's six number ones in 2009, and I had to look again three times to make sure I'm not reading all the numbers wrong because six and nines are upside down. And but I think you had six number ones in 2009. I think I did. It was a That's great year. I can't believe that, and I can because I'm looking at it. But when I read it, I was like, "Am I looking at this right?" Six. I turned the screen. <laughs> nine. I want to roll through these quickly. In this year of 2009, all six of these number ones: Rodney Atkins, It's America. One nation under God. Kenny Chesney, Out Last Night. Carrie Underwood, Cowboy Casanova. Chris Young, The Man I Want to Be. Jason Aldean, The Truth. Rascal Flatts, Summer Nights. I'm tired just reading them all there like that in a row. So whenever you have this many number ones in a row, is it so hard to write because everybody wants to write with you? Oh, that's never that's never a bad thing if everybody wants to write with you. But it's you. like, you're, and I've had brief... Uh, parts of my career where you're the shiny toy for a second. Everybody wants to play with the shiny toy. Sure. When you start to have this unparalleled success, writing 2009, 2008, I mean, I can even go backward. I mean, is it people constantly calling going, hey, I'd just love to get on your calendar at some point, even if it's six months from now? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what happens. And that's a fun place to be, you know, because you kind of get to pick and choose who you want to work with and get to, you know, you know, do 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 the days you love and not not do as many as, of the days that you don't. And it's it's a pretty cool you know, thing, but, you know, I would say that, you know, in, in the music business, it's like most businesses, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, who's Brett James, get me Brett James, get me the next Brett James, who's Brett James. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the, that's the arc of most careers, you know, and I think you have to kind of, I always tell the writers that I work with, especially, I've, I've had a publishing company for like 15 years, so I get to be around young writers and I'm like, you're never as, as hot as you think you are when you're hot and you're never as not when you're not, you know, and I, and I think you kind of have to learn to have some thick skin and not to, not to think you're so cool when things are working so that when things aren't working, you, you, you don't get in the dumps either, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I tell new artists, or just as an example, uh, we had a, a group that was in a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to them, and they'd had some success on, on television. And it's like when you get to be shiny for a second, make all the relationships that you can. Yeah. Make all the relationships that you Because it's not going to change your life just to be cool for a second. But the relationships that you make and that you keep will actually help you through your career for a long time. 100%. So yeah. just don't go like, I'm cool now. Who wants to work with me? It's like, dig in. Find your spots that you're finally allowed to get. They're very important. Make a few real strong connections. Like I was like, with the Opry. You're in with the Opry now. Yeah. Like really value that connection because maybe they wouldn't have got a look. We don't ever get a look, any of us, until we have some sort of success. Sure. But it's like, what do you grab onto and really develop out from this moment that you're successful, cool, whatever word you want to use there. And it's that's exact and that's what I was telling them too. It's like, you know, you're you feel everybody on social media telling you they love you. You're probably not that cool right now, but when you were when you're not cool again, you're probably not that not cool again. <laughs> exactly. Cuz there are a lot of people that still think you're awesome. Sure. It's the never too high, never too low. You know what I try to my therapist though tells me that I am on a straight line regardless of all the time. I'm never high at all, never low. Is that right? I never... Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, someday I'm going to get to interview you about that. You know, that's, that's I, I don't go up or down. And I think it's... I always want... Because you can't really experience like true happiness if you can't feel some sadness, right? It's almost sure. yeah. It's almost an equal scale. Yeah. Like if you can let yourself feel, you get to feel way down or way up. Sure. And so I have trouble feeling the sad. 
I think probably from childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever feel good about. I'm, the, I'm the a lot the same way. I yeah, think, I think I'm very much the same way. I think you just kind of find your. I think, and I think men are more likely to be that way than women. I'm straight line. I don't go up but, or down. Yeah, I'm kind of that same way, and I, I do think that in maybe especially in the songwriting side of things and the artist side of things, you have to be that way because. You know, there's always another single that you're either, it's either winning or it's losing. Or there's always another, you know, cut that you're either getting or you're not getting. And, you know, you, you, you have to kind of, there's, and in the songwriting side, it's, most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's disappointment, you know. And so you have to kind of just just learn to, to, to love what you do and, and not, not feel too high or too low. I don't think. Because if, if, I, if I felt it all, I'd go crazy. Oh, I mean, in a, in a creative world, if you let the lows dominate you, because it's it's low eighty five to ninety percent of the time if you're <laughs> if you're succeeding if you're if you're crushing it mm-hmm. exactly if you're six if uh-huh. you know and I think you'll understand this probably better than even I do but it's like at times people will be like man you're really killing it you're, but I'm like if you guys had any idea how much how many no's I get yeah. or or what I wanted and didn't get or what how glamorous it looks and it ain't <laughs> you know yeah, that's a lot I, of what we do absolutely it's getting beat up most of the time. And you it's know. getting back up when you get beat up. No question. And staying up just long enough to finally get a bite the worm. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Finally, you get a yeah, bite the worm. Exactly. What exactly. was that, in your mind, what was the more, well, I can't believe this just happened moment? Was it that year, 2009, or was it winning the Grammy with Carrie back a few years before that? Man, I, you know, all of those are great. You know, I don't think we knew when Jesus Take the Wheel was happening how, you know, what a big deal it was, you know, quite honestly. I don't think it kind of hit me that, well, this is, I'm going to be talking about that song in, the, in 2022, you know, 17 years later. Do you still play that one if you play? Usually, yeah, almost, yeah. I'm, 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 almost always. I feel like if I don't, it's somebody's going to throw something at me. You know? um, <laughs> but yeah, I think both those, both those moments were great and both those years were great. Yeah, but if, you had to, if, if we had to eliminate one, somebody shows up with the old <laughs> men in black thing that goes, all right, I'm going to make you forget one of them, which... Well, you know, I, I got to be songwriter of the year twice, and and the, that's that's a really fun, cool thing because it's kind of based on more body of work than just one song, you know. And I think that was those those are pretty special trophies to me. Where do you have the Grammy at your house? It's at my office, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's at my office. Do you do you pet it? <laughs> you kiss it? <laughs> I do not. Oh, man. I do not. Wow. I wish I had more than one. Let's put it that way. But you know, there's people that have lots. I I got to work at Allison Krause's house the other day with her son. And, you know, Allison, you know, she's so sweet. She just brings us coffee. You know, really? I'm just like, someone with 28 Grammys just gave me coffee. And that's, that's just a cool thing. You know? In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu What is it for you that you go, wow, this is cool, where most people maybe wouldn't think that you think it's the coolest thing? And now I'll give you an example as you think about the answer because it's a tough one. Um, I got on an airplane once and Barry Switzer was on. And I'm from Arkansas and he was a, played at Arkansas, you know, coached the Cowboys, coached Oklahoma, and I was like, this is the freaking coolest thing ever. And I would tell my friends, they'd be like, I don't, I don't really follow sports, I don't care. Right, that right, kind right. of thing. But I'm like, this is so cool. <clears throat> and that's not even th- something that I like earned or deserved. I interviewed Dan Patrick on my sports show the other day, and wow. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. And I tell people, I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But to me, that's, that's like legit. Like, that's the coolest thing. What for you, or who is it, or what happened where you're like, this is like different world and never thought I'd be here. But most people probably won't even think it's as cool as I do. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because the one that pops into my head is not about a, a superstar. You know, it's a... Because, you know, like you said, I've gotten to be around Garth and Sting and some pretty, you know, Taylor and people like that. It's just like, that's just insane, you know, to even think about it. Like, literally, I'm at the NSAI thing two weeks ago, and I hadn't, I was Taylor's, you know, producer when she was like 13, you know, you know, before she came back and had all her success. And then I'm walking down the back hall, and, and Taylor just steps out of her thing and sees me. She's like, Brad, you know, it's like old home with, you know, Taylor Swift, which is, Pretty crazy because I have a daughter who worships everything, <laughs> everything Taylor Swift. But for me, the moment that strikes me is like, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that whoever your superstar, superhero was when you're like in fourth or fifth grade is that person exactly. forever. Yeah. And for me, it's a Christian singer named Russ Taff. And um, you probably never heard of him, but he was a big deal around, like in, in Christian music. And I'll never forget the only time I ever su- got super starstruck. I was, I was writing a song with Marcus Humman at his house in the, like the 90s. And I didn't know Russ Taff was his next-door neighbor or I would have stalked him. You know? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there with Marcus when we're writing a song, and, and Russ Taff walks in. They're best friends. He goes, hey, your dog's in the yard again. He's like, you got any coffee made? You know, kind of, kind of like that. And Marcus, hey, yeah, he's like, there's coffee in the kitchen. And, and, and Russ, this is Brett. <laughs> and I literally just cried. I, he didn't know what I'm doing. It's like a Tuesday afternoon. Who was, and I literally, tears just came to my eyes. And I, all I could say was, like, you're my hero. You know, and I think that it's those moments that kind of 
you know, catch you off guard and, and make me go, wow, I can't believe I've got to do this. You know? Yeah, it's the, that stuff to me is like, what a, like that's, for example, I get to go and I'm a big Arkansas guy. Grew up in Arkansas. We didn't have a lot of money. And so I maybe would get to go to one game a year. But now it's like when I get to go back and even just get to go in the locker room, I'm just like, I cannot believe this. Isn't that cool? But my friend's like, but you get to, I'm like, it doesn't matter. All that other stuff <laughs> I do all the time. <laughs> like this to me is like, there's a lot of value in this because when I was nine, this is what I dreamed of yeah. was being here yeah. at this place, looking at these lockers. And for you is Russ Taft. Well, and Barry Switzer would be it for me too. I mean, I grew up in the, in the 70s in Oklahoma, man. There's nothing, nothing, there was nothing bigger than Barry Switzer. You a sports guy? Huge, yeah. What, what, what's your sport and team? And I'm a college football freak. Yeah. You know, that's really what I come back to is always college football. Baylor and I went to Baylor undergrad and went to OU too, and I grew up in Oklahoma. So Baylor and OU are my two two main teams, but I've adopted a few others. I've got a son at Auburn now, so I'm rooting for Auburn. And, and, uh, but, yeah, Baylor and OU. Yeah, I see you drove up on a motorcycle. I did. And I'm scared to death of a lot of things, including motorcycles. You have to watch out for so many things when riding a motorcycle. Yes. And, there, and so many of those things are idiots. Oh, uh, And there's an unlimited amount of idiots. Yeah. It's, it's, I just pretend like every car is going to kill me. That's the way I ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Literally, I just, as I'm driving, I'm playing this game like, like that one's going to swerve into me and this one's going to swerve. And the, and the person behind me is not going to know that I'm turning. So I just need to expect that all the time. I, need, I think, and I think, you know, and I, I ride it around town at 40 miles an hour. I don't, I don't do anything crazy on a motorcycle, but I like to putt around town. But, you know, that can be the most dangerous time because you're right. There's so many stupid people. In it's, the world. it's all the time. Everybody's I, on their phones now, too, which is worse, you know. You yeah. know what? The phones, that's a, that's a whole new last five-year wrinkle, isn't it? Riding yeah. a, when did you start riding a motorcycle? Uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I bet the phones made it a lot more dangerous. Yeah, they have, for sure. Um, for sure, for sure. Do you have the radio? Can you turn the, do you turn the radio up real loud? And I don't turn it up, up next all. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and you got to have it that loud to hear it while you're riding, but it's also like when you're slowing down, there should almost be a... The volume turns itself down automatically. Wouldn't that be nice? Why isn't that a thing? Because I don't know. Because you pull up next to the motor. I don't turn my radio on ever when I ride because I like to hear the other car that's about to swerve into me and kill me. <laughs> but because um, they all will and they, they all, all right. They are planning mind, yeah. on it, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't. I don't turn it up at all. I want to play. I was looking through your entire catalog here, and I was trying to find the song because you have again so many. The one that I love, I think the most, is one of your more recent number ones. Is that Kenny Chesney knowing you? Because I love emo Kenny. <laughs> I'm not really big into beach Kenny because I don't like the beach that much. I grew up in Arkansas, so I, know, sure. I don't have this affinity for the beach. Right. And we never went on vacation, so I never went to the beach. I never thought, I never heard it called emo Kenny, but I get it. My yeah. favorite Kenny is emo Kenny when he's singing sad songs or yeah. slow songs. Yeah. And so knowing you, Mike, if you'll play some of this. But I do it all over because damn it was good knowing you. How do you get a song to Kenny? Well, I'm lucky because I, I know Kenny pretty well. I just text it to him. You know, I just text it to his phone, and he either says yes or no. If you send Kenny 10 songs, how many yeses, nos, or, and no responses? Oh, wow. Well, Kenny never says no. It's always a no response. Like, like he, he never says, I don't like that one. And I, I kind of I love that about him. <laughs> he just don't get anything back. You know, you never go, you never hear that. That totally sucks. Would you leave me alone? That's good that he doesn't do that. Um, it's usually a no response. And out of, you know... I would say it's one out of 20, really, that you get, yeah, I, I, I'm into that or I'm not into that. But Kenny has, he's such a song guy. He texted me day before yesterday about a song that I'd played for him seven or eight years ago. 
And he's like, do you still have that version of the duet? And blah, 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 blah. He never forgets a song. It's incredible. And did you still have the version? I did. And had anyone cut it? Nobody's cut it, so I'm hoping he will. Mm. Yeah, Caitlin Smith sang the duet on it. It's amazing. That'll sell it pretty that good. If, you're, it, if right? you're on the fence, that'll yeah, sell right. it pretty good. Um, oldest song that was ever cut, meaning you mentioned that six or seven years. You wrote a song, X amount of years later, it finally gets cut and becomes a hit. What comes to your mind there? The truth pops into my head. Um, we had written, I wrote that with Ashley Monroe, um, who I just love too. We're actually getting ready to go to Brazil together on a writing just, trip. I saw her three or four days ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, we had a, I love her. She's awesome. She's the best, yeah. And I've known her since she was 15. Somehow I, I started working her when she was really young. And I think we wrote that song when she was about 16 or 17 in my living room. Um, and, uh, but, you know, the truth is kind of a weird song. You don't really, really know what it's about until the very end of the song, the last two lines, which is, you know, breaks every songwriting rule there is. And so we wrote it and just sat on shelves. And it, we just thought it was never going to pop up, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, like six or seven years later, I don't even know how. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does it I stay don't afloat know, long enough to get around? No clue. I have no idea how Jason ever heard that song, but I'm glad he did. And he sure. He sure crushed it. And there was another one called You Saved Me. There was a Kenny song that just got happened. The same kind of deal. It was probably 10 years old. What, yeah. What's in Brazil? You're going to a writing camp? We're going camp, to a what, writing what? camp to write Brazilian music in Portuguese. Of course we are. Why wouldn't we be doing you that? You know, I thought you would go to Brazil to write country music songs for the country music people who wanted to fly to Brazil, but I'm way wrong on that. So yeah, what, how and what and why? It's a really long story, but um, we both write, work with a company called Warner Chapel here in town, big publisher. And they have offices all over the world. And, um, you know, I get this email one day. Hey, do you want to go to Sao Paulo to write this new kind of Brazilian music that is apparently huge? Apparently this new genre of Brazilian music is taking over the world or something. And it's going to be a little camp with like five Nashville writers and, and studios. And you're going to ha- it's all going to be in Portuguese and you're going to have translators. Wow. I have no idea what we're getting into. But so you haven't done this yet? Haven't done it yet. We're, we're leaving, a, we're leaving uh, Sunday, actually. Ashley Monroe, Liz Rose, me, and a couple other people are going to go down and, because and see new. what happens. Does it excite you a lot? Are you like, I- it's just, it's just, a, you know, I, I look at it like it's a cultural experience. I've never been to Brazil, and I, you know, don't know a thing about the music, but I'm going to do a lot of, I'm going to educate myself before Sunday, hopefully. Are you doing Rosetta Stone Portuguese? <laughs> I am not at all. No, <laughs> I am not. I'm doing Duolingo French right now. I'm trying to learn French. We had uh, Dan Huff, and we've talked to Dan a couple times, and. You know, he would talk about how he'd be at an airport, and he'd hear a song, and be like, oh, dang, I really like that guitar part. And, he'd, and <laughs> he'd, later, he'd later realize that was him who played it. Yeah. So you've had 500-plus songs cut. You ever hear a song and not realize that it was yours? I have. I, I did it recently. Um, I was with Drew Green, an artist that I love and work with. We were at, he was actually playing a wedding. And, and we're at this wedding somewhere in nowhere. They'd won, they'd, won the, you know, they'd, won, they'd won a contest, and so Drew's up there singing it. And I heard this song, and I was like, man, I kind of like that. I kind of, you know, I think it's pretty cool. And I, somehow it was familiar. It ended up being a Larry Fleet song that I'd, I'd written just, just a few months ago. And I was like, now that's why I know that's- that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You spent a bunch of years on the board for the CMAs. So I have a hard-hitting question here. Is why have I been blackballed so long to be the host of the CMAs? You know, we've had discussions about you. <laughs> And it just never goes the right way. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea, and I'm not on that board anymore. I know. But you, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Have, mm. they ever, have they ever talked to you about it? Cause All I hear, like through certain channels, you've been blackballed. Nah. And I can't get down to the bottom I of it. Don't I don't believe that. Listen, I've had some pretty prominent folks in here <laughs> tell me off. You said, like, you know, there's, 
the system's holding you down, and they won't exactly tell me who the system is. Is it you? This is okay, how we find okay, out. Remember, okay, right? now that you're putting time, me on the spot. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, it's funny, man. The CMA is, like, I have been on that board for a long time, and I hear so many things about that board. And yet, they're all, you know them all. They're all the sweetest people. Exactly. <laughs> Who do I not? Who, what, Who, two-face? There's got to oh, be yeah. somebody, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. Well, it has you, to happen at some hear, point. If you you just send me a little carrier pigeon, and you let me know. I'm going to get to the you bottom. Of, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Right. When you're at the Grammys, did you get to sit by anybody cool? Yes. Um... Well, the one time I ever got nominated for the big, like to get in the big room was just amazing. That was for Jesus Take the Will. We, we won country song, but we, we were up for real song. And, you know, we got to sit like on the fifth row. And I was like in front of John Mayer and behind John Legend. And, you know, it was pretty heady stuff, you know. And I would literally like in breaks, I would just get up and act like I was just stretching my legs and just, just to walk around my <laughs> section just to like, just to see people. That's you know what, what I'm saying? You're, you're everyone right now. Oh, you're, yeah, you're everyone. Yeah. Right I now. literally was like, I, I'm, you know, you're not staring That's at awesome. him, but you're getting to walk past, you know. I mean, I remember Justin Timberlake played twice that night and stuff like that. You're just like, okay, I just gotta, I just gotta walk around a little bit just to, just to see these people. Did you prepare a speech? No. You didn't even, just no. in case? I didn't. I'm not a preparer. And I knew, honestly, I wrote that song with Hillary Lindsay and Gordy Sampson. I knew I'd have to let Hillary do the talking anyway, so it was all good. <laughs> you say you're not a preparer, then let me put this into your everyday practical life, when your professional practical life. Do you prepare notes for songs and ideas that you have at this point? Absolutely. Not as much as I should. And I think that's, one, I think that's, that's a lesson for all songwriters that I need to do better at. Because you get old and you get lazy. You, you know, I always... I, I keep titles and, and concepts, and, you know, I, I'm always putting them on my phone. But the really great writers, the ones that everybody wants to write with, are the ones that write, walk in with something that's great, and it's, you know, got a verse, or got, it's, got, it's, got, it's got some real form to it. And I can just say that, that the young writers that I know that are being super successful in Nashville right now, they walk into rooms really prepared, and I think that's, I think that's half the battle. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. Tacovas dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. You ever accidentally rewrite 
or have the same melody of a previous song of yours? Because it is your brain that, that had it initially. Does it ever come up again? You're like, oh, did I already do? Because you have so you've, I said 500. But it's I've, been cut. But I've written over 4,000. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, That's just been cut. It's kind of impossible not to, um, to be honest with you, especially because it's, you know, but what, what, what you try to do having done it as long as I've been doing it is try to find new lanes. You know, new lanes that make your brain go different places so you're not falling into the same, you know, melodies that that you have written before. And, you know, so I think that's the sort of the challenge, uh, have you know, after you've written a lot. So you're, this event we're talking about specifically, but just when you go and you play a, a show with great songwriters and mm-hmm. you're showcasing the songs that, that have become hits for you and you get four, what four do you play more than not? What are your what are your Mount Rushmore of songs <laughs> that you play when you play? I almost always do Out Last Night because it's got a fun story to it, and that's you know you know those shows those stories are, or those songs are just as much about the stories. Um, What's the story? Uh, the story is Out Last Night was you know it started in my kitchen. I was standing in my kitchen on Christmas Eve, and my cell phone rang, and um, you know the voice on the other end of the line, which was Kenny, was like, "Hey man, you know you." What are you doing day after tomorrow? You know, and so I had, you know, I had four children under the age of 12 at the time, you know, and it's Christmas Eve, you know, so the joke is, well, of course I said, well, nothing, man, you know, what you got in mind? Cause, and he said, why don't we go to the islands and write some songs? And um, so we did, you know, because those four children know what pays for Christmas presents around my house, I ended up in, you know, the islands on December 26th. And Kenny and I have, you know, we have, a, we always have a good time together. And this particular night, we, we made a night of it, you know, and um, so I woke up the next morning and I was, I was, I woke up way before he did. I remember I was just playing guitar and sipping coffee and a couple hours later, the, the, the sliding glass door to his bedroom, you know, he kind of sticks his head out and he's like, Brett, we went out last night. And I said, yeah, we did. And that's the song we had to write today. So that's how kind of out, we, we kind of wrote it about the night before a little bit. Okay. And we actually wrote two, two number ones that day. We wrote a song called Reality that afternoon. Same day. Same day. It was. You guys should go out more. Greatest. I know. Kenny, if you're listening. Yeah, you should well, yeah, go out more. We need to go out more and do this again. Uh, okay, that's song number one. What's song number two? Um, I almost always play Mr. Know-It-All by Kelly Clarkson just because it's fun to sing. And, it, you know, know and it, maybe people don't expect you to sing a Kelly Clarkson song. People don't expect me to sing a Kelly Clarkson song. That you song. wrote. I mean, I guess that's it. People don't expect you to have written a Kelly Clarkson song. Sure. Because you're a massive country music songwriter i guess so that's probably part of the reason i play it is because you you never know there's there may be somebody in that audience that's not a country music fan but they might have listened to kelly clarkson on pop radio and so and it's just a fun really you know it's such a weird song to sing because you know you write these songs as a middle-aged dude (laughs) and then you're singing i am rosemary's granddaughter in front of strangers or you know mr know-it-all in front of strangers but um it's still fun you know and it's fun to kind of be in character for that one and, and 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 play that I almost always play the truth just because I, I I do love that song. It's one of my one I'm most proud of. And um then I almost always end with Jesus Take the Wheel. If those are the four, that's probably about about the four. Can you hit that? When you mm-hmm. sing it? Jesus take the- Not in her key, I can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gotta change the key. That's but a yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah, Carrie songs are wow, you know. You know, you, they're they're hard to they're hard to do live, you know, but they're they're also really fun and challenging. Like DeStefano and I wrote one with her together called the uh, um, something in the water that's mm-hmm. always really fun to see. I heard him. No, he played that next to me once. Yeah, he and then I just went. I'm gonna tap out of this round. <laughs> and he had like a drum under his foot. Yeah, like a, yeah. He and he's doing. It. He's like, yeah, and, I, and it came to me, and, there, and I had this little 
funny comedy song. I was, and I was like, all right, let's just go ahead and skip me and go over. And I was just like, how do you expect anyone to play after that? I, no one likes and to play. And what's the juxtaposition between Chris and me? I'm the worst. You are not. I'm the there worst. for the laugh. You are so not. I'm, there, I'm just there to make people laugh. It's all different kind of entertainment, my friend. Which song came back to you so different sonically than you expected that we would know? Mm. Like, you, you write it, you know, so we'll just. It, John Smith has cut the song. And I go, oh, that's really cool. John Smith's a great artist. They're probably going to. And you get it back and you're like, wow. I, that is not my interpretation, but it's amazing. What is that? You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that when when the first time I heard Jessica Andrews' version of of who I am, it was so different, and I had such demo love for Hillary Lindsay's demo that the first time I heard it, I heard it on the radio, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know if that's, I don't know if they did that right. Of course, it's Byron Gallimore; he's a freaking genius, so of course they did it right, you know, but. The first time I heard that song, I was I was kind of like just disappointed or just confused. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work now, and sure enough, it did. Sure enough, it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. It I did. was very wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did. Um, okay, look. Let me promo the event again. It's a nonprofit, aerial recovery, which is a really that's great. That's I you know there's so much there that these men and women invest so much of their time in life to have this skill set that it's like they come out of the military. And then what did, how do they use it now? Yeah. You know? And they also do a lot of other things. They have a, they have a center. Um, it's, it's, they're the two people that are ahead of it. One girl's named Brittany Murphy. She's from Nashville and she's a, an amazingly successful real estate developer. So she also has an island in the BVIs that is turned into like a, a therapy center. And they, they take, you know, the one, that's just one of the things they do is do all these rescue missions. The other thing they do is a lot of recovery for, uh, you know, guys who are getting out of the military and not knowing what to do next or they're depressed or suicidal or whatever. And they, they go down to this island and have counselors and all this stuff and kind of, you know, lots of training for these guys. And it's just amazing what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this one. It's cool. November 10th, 6.30 p.m. at the Bell Tower in Nashville. And there's a cocktail reception. It says heavy hors d'oeuvres. I don't know the difference. The, the trays just The trays are more. heavier. I mean, yeah, they got they some. Put, they put lead balls in yeah. the bottom, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, I hope people go check it out. But mostly I hope people can appreciate just your story. I mean, it's if this isn't the story of, hey, you never really know, and you have the liberty to pivot and change and figure it out, I don't know what is because, I mean, that's what you did. We're all learning. Still still trying to pivot and change, you know. I, I think that's an ongoing ongoing thing for all of us, isn't it? At Brett James Songs. Well, I only change because people tell me I suck at one thing. I don't ever change on purpose. I only change because it's like, you ain't good at this anymore. And I'm like, God, well, that's, Usually, that, the, the, I think the ticket for me has been finding out that I suck at something soon enough. You know, not wasting so much more well, time. I waste a lot of time yeah, sucking, I, I'll be honest with me you. Me too, me too. Uh, at Brett James Songs. It's, Brett, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah. I really appreciate it's, the time. And congrats on everything. Thanks. I mean, your career is just insane. I, I want to flip the switch sometime and do this interview with you. Do you, do you do a podcast? Do you have a podcast? I do not. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, we're just going to interview in, at your house with no microphone. That's it. This, <laughs> I just really, yeah. No one ever We're just going to have a beer like, yeah, talk. Yeah, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, Brett, good to see you, and, and thank you for the time. And thank I hope you. The, I hope this event goes wonderfully. And I don't know. If I see you on the, on the street, I'll block for you. If I'm in my car and I see you driving, I'm going to get beside All you and right. make sure nobody please, gets blocked. Please, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I need it. All right, thanks, Brett. Thank you.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.